Hey guys, welcome to Cold Film Interview, the podcast where we discuss the films you love, but no one else gets, and see if they still hold up. Tonight, we're wearing our leopard ears, singing some du jour, and brainwashing some teens, because we're talking about Josie and the Pussycats, written and directed by Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan, <laughs> and starring Rachel Lee <laughs> Cook, Tara Reid, and Rosario Dawson. What? Was sorry, what? sorry. It's no, it was you, that was it. a good one. You did a good one. It, it was, was a good. good one, so let's start the show. Kaplan. <laughs> Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. <laughs> I did not hit her. It's not true. Clopex. 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 Up yours, baby. Me and Bubba, my little brother, listen to you every night. Where in the hell are we? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. All right, guys, so tonight we are talking about Josie and the Pussycats. It came out in 2001. It had a budget of $39 million. It only made about 14.9. I'm going to round up to 15, so it made about half back. It was filmed in the U.S. and Canada, and it has a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. If you don't know what it's about, it's about a group of girls that find themselves in the middle of a conspiracy to deliver subliminal messages through popular music in this send-up of the music industry, basically. It's like, well, I don't know if it's a send-up. It's a satire of the music industry. Uh, and this was picked by Mike. So, Mike, why did you pick Josie and the Pussycats? I'm real interested. I, well, we're coming off like some pretty heavyweight films right now. We're coming off Holy Mountain. We were coming off of Blue Velvet. I kind of wanted to do something a little bit more lighthearted. But I also wanted to have an in-depth discussion, as we, as we often do. Uh, and this film, a few years ago, um, it kind of had a, like a retro review of it where people were kind of seeing that a lot of people had maybe had uh, missed this film in theaters. They, they'd missed a point of it, and they thought that it, would, it deserved a second look. So I decided, you know what, why don't we at Cold Film Review also give it a second look and see if it was uh, worthy of cult film status. Okay, so I will say this. Um, who had not... Let me ask this first before I say something. <laughs> who had not... Yeah, right? Who has not seen this movie before? I hadn't seen it before, no. You hadn't seen it before? So you saw this now as an adult, and you've... Nope, never saw it. And you never saw it. I was, why? Um, Too it, cool in high school with the fishnets? No, I just... Couldn't go see Josie and the Pussycats? Uh, I just, it just seemed too, too teen for me at the time. Because when it came out, I was probably like, what, 19? Oh, you weren't teen enough? No, you weren't 19. You were not 19. I was you were not watching, 19. You were not even close. This movie came out when we were working at Hollywood Video. 2001. Yeah, how old were you in two thousand one? Okay, seventeen. Whatever. Ooh. Same difference, dude. I was watching horror movies. I was watching very Josie teen. and the Pussycats. Very teen. I honestly don't even remember like the trailers for this shit. Chris was like the per- Chris was like my favorite character in this movie. It was the girl who the smells like Team Spirit joke, which yeah. is like one of my favorite ones. Or that would be him. That was, like, that was him. That was, that was me. Him, yeah, yeah, that was him in high That's, school. Yeah, that was you walking into yeah. things. I'm not gonna I'm, watch I'm no Josie the Pussycats, dude. Nirvana. We gotta smell like. <laughs> 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 but that's a great thing about. Uh, uh, I will say about this movie, like that I didn't pick up the first time I watched it. Um, which uh, th- I don't know if you guys did. Uh, is the satire the first time I watched this movie? I did not catch on to the satire. Did you guys catch on to it the first time you watched it? Yeah, right off the bat. Yeah, definitely. Was, I, I felt it was it was heavy handed, but it was in a good way. Like it was it was funny. I think it probably because I'm older. Like I, I saw it right away, and I've seen enough movies that do the same kind of thing by now that I recognized it right away. It was so heavy. Yeah, like you said, heavy handed. That yeah. it was. 
actually at first it threw me off, you know, with like all of the, uh, the branding that you see on everything. I was like, why are they doing that? And then once it started popping up in every single scene, you just know right away. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of the, what I, I, I want to say the first scene you see all that branding is on the plane with the target, right? Mm-hmm. The target symbol. Like I, yeah, I just remember seeing that. Like the first shot was like, Oh, there's a target. There's another one. Oh, I see what they're doing here. Cause it was like the fucking inside of the plane was a tire is a giant target. You know, logo. Like, <laughs> I think that's what the crazy thing is like when I saw this movie, I saw it like probably around 2001 when we were working at Hollywood Video, and uh, I, I did not, I did not catch on to it. Like, I just thought it was another. I'm like, here's another dumb teen, stupid girl movie. Yeah, like, that's what I thought. Like, well, I mean, in terms of like the advertisement, I mean, I don't, I don't. They probably didn't know how to market it because, yeah, if I if I remember correctly, I could I probably say my emotional responses to the trailer was like, oh, it's just a teen girl movie. Well, and that's what I think it's. It, well, that's what it's trying to make fun of and portray, which it does beautifully. I was thinking while watching this um, about the marketing of it because I do remember when it came out, and you know, it was just a very generic cover just three girls on the cover there was nothing special about it it was just like marketing to the masses right which i thought was some, kind of funny because this movie is all about marketing to the masses yeah yeah mm-hmm. but the way they marketed the movie it i mean the movie's not actually i mean it, it it kind of like you said parodies on on that but the way they marketed the film was exactly the point they were See, making and yeah. i th- this is this is uh, this isn't written down so i want uh, we can discuss it now i almost wonder if the studio wasn't in on the joke, I gotta imagine they probably weren't. I, I think it's less a question of whether or not they were, or what, and more so, hey, look, we still have to make money off of this film. Let's just market it as the stuff that's selling right now. Because I mean, th- this is not the first film to do this, where it's been you go to see, you you see a film and you don't know that it's like a really avant garde or like a kind of a like a satire or something, and then you go and you find out it is. But the whole time everything the trailers everything has been showing it as like a romantic comedy or something like that like yeah, yeah. i feel like this film works better after the fact because it, during the time all of that stuff was really popular all the boy bands and like that the whole idea of that the pop marketing pop acts all this stuff and so maybe that's why people didn't get it right off the bat was because they were immersed in it at the time but now you look back and you're like oh that's stupid like yeah that was a thing well no and that's the thing too is like i like I think they did it with not only did I think they did it, do it with the music industry and consumerism I think they did it with like they they obviously had a target on clothing also I think yeah, in yeah, general yeah yeah they was definitely trying to make fun of the uh, style that was going on yeah like in in like I don't know they hit so many things perfectly I feel like with Call, calling out just just the the media and pop culture industry I mean I feel like I don't know that's the thing is though I couldn't tell if they were calling it out. Or, or if they were like, here's what I thought when teenagers went to go see this movie, I feel like it was almost a warning to teenagers. Like you're susceptible to this and you don't even know it, but we're going to show you how extreme it can be because sometimes you have to slap somebody in the face with something to be like, wow, this, yeah, that is kind of how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say ding, 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 ding. But I also don't think that, <laughs> I think that they were so immersed in it already at the time that that it didn't seem like it was that far out of the park. You know, I th- like you said, you saw it in 2001. I also saw it in yeah. 2001. I believe I went to go see it in theaters, I think. And, um, yeah, I don't remember recalling thinking it was a satire at all. Yeah. I think that things were, were so big and colorful that when you watched it, it was easy to miss the satire because you were already immersed in it. You were already one of the teenagers in the movie that they were making fun of. 
Hmm. So you were just kind of like, like, I don't. Yeah, even, I mean, yeah. Why wouldn't I think that like this fucking music is cool? Like you know, <laughs> like and it was one of those things where it's like, I always, I, I guess, like when I think back about it, I was like, wh- why didn't I get the product placement? Like why it's everywhere? Like yeah, I yeah. should have gotten That's the that. biggest one. And it's like, why didn't I get that? And that kind of weirds me out a bit. Yeah, that kind of weirds me out too. I kind of wish I had seen it in 2001 when I was younger, like because for me it was like fucking glaringly obvious like well yeah and that, i want to i want to know too because because now whenever i watch i'm sorry to cut you oh. off that, but just the i think the reason why i think i picked that shit out now is like not just from doing this podcast but like just watching a lot of films that are uh bad or, or aren't made very well i always seem to like i always look for it i'm like let's see how they paid for this movie and it's almost like a game for me when i when i watch like bad movies like where where's the Pepsi ad? Where is it at? And like this one was just like punch you in the face. Guess like what? Fucking where where's the where's the Target dog ad on this plane? Guess what? They weren't paid a single dollar for any of the advertising. That was gonna be my question: was did they pay for nope. this movie through advertisement? Nope. They just wanted to make a point. So is, do you yeah. think it's because that the uh, <laughs> the the uh, uh, the businesses that were putting their logos in the film knew damn well what they were trying to do? I th- and they were kind of like, I don't know if we want to put. Yeah, because our- they have to get they, they they There's no way they could release the film without the permission from the company. See, that's what I'm saying. I don't think people. Dude, I don't think people got it. I don't think that. I, like I said, I don't think the studio got what they were doing. Because again, this is a think about it. This is a Josie and the Pussycats movie. Also, this is already a commodity, a name. Oh yeah, yeah, and and something like that that you're gonna try to like. Most studios are not gonna go. Yeah, you know what? Put your message in it about consumerism. That's what we want to say. Studios aren't going to say that. But they probably yeah. wouldn't have pitched it that way to them. No, that's what I'm saying. They like probably would have <laughs> been like, hey, we're doing the Josie and the Pussycats movies. You know Josie and Pussycats, right? From the Archie <laughs> comics? Yeah, you know it. Hey, Pepsi, you on board or whatever? Like, I'm surprised. I'm, I would imagine that's how they would have pitched it. Because you still have to get their okay to even put their yeah, image you, in the you film. Have to. Well, I know they got MTV's okay with it because yeah. of Carson Daly dating... Reed and I was going to ask that question yeah. too because there was it seemed like there's some inside jokes going on there. I think I mean there was they were dating at the time. I think they were either dating or engaged. They were dating saying. at the time. There's actually a. I mean, are, do we, are we getting into like this part of it? Yeah. No, I'm just. Well, I mean, because there's actually a, quite a few inside jokes that I think people f- miss with Carson if Daly. He, yes, but there's another one too. Okay, so before he dated Tara Reed, he had a uh, pretty uh, oh, uh, what's the word uh, publicized romance with Jennifer Love Hewitt mm-hmm. at the time and mm-hmm. everyone and after and before Tara Reid had, had started dating him they had, had gone through like a pretty rough breakup and uh, there's a really weird scene where Tara Reid comes out of the shower and it's the exact same scene from I Know What You Did Last Summer it's written on the mirror and everything like that and she's oh, essentially yeah. playing her character that's so funny. that had to kind of be an inside I think it's an inside dig at Jennifer well, Love they, Hewitt you know, this yeah. conversation just just, uh, just made me feel Made me Old? feel very happy that I didn't have cable uh, at this time of the year because you know so much about Carson Daly's life. Well, I, it <laughs> frightens me. I'm old enough to remember, like, I watched all of TRL. Dude, TRL. I, now, geez, they, geez. I never had it. Didn't, yeah. ha- didn't have MTV. You didn't know what you were missing with TRL. I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> I lived in an era I lived in an era where MTV yeah. actually, I mean, to cliche enough, actually played music on TV. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> uh, the, yeah, but this well, is. Well, we lived in the, the same basic but, era, kind of. You're a little older. I'm older, but I'm old enough to, to have wanted to watch. I think TRL. some of that stuff, I watched yeah. a lot of TRL. Well, TRL yeah. was also like this movie is saying the downfall of MTV, I would say. Like that's when it started to go less music and more shows. Like yeah, more yeah, it was. Shows was that TRL era. 
like, where they'd only play 20 seconds of the music video yes. and go back. Yeah. Oh, number one music video is this. And then they show like, a, ha, that yeah, was it. Over. And, and, <laughs> great. great. Be, Watch it at midnight tonight after all of our other shit shows. Yep. <laughs> right. Agreed. 100%. That's when the TRO was doing that. So let's take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk more about Josie and the Pussy Kills. Wyatt? Yes. Could you maybe talk to Marco about him always doing my face? You remember in the what video I established the face? Well, ever since then, every time you see Marco, he's doing the face, and it's mine. You look at him on TRL. Hi, Carson. You look at him on the Kids' Choice Awards. This is ours. Thanks. And then right here on the cover of Seventeen Magazine. Hi, little girl. Beauty Secrets. It's my face. It's my face. Oh, hey, Travis. Am I uh, doing your face? Cause, God forbid I do your face because it's such a good face. I'm face. Boys, boys, boys. It's my face. Hold up. It's my face. Thank you, Les. Now, listen. Listen to me. Let's all take a moment. When we land, I will call the choreographer and she will give you a new face. Oh, it's too bad your mama couldn't give you a good face. Take that back right now! I'm sorry, Travis. Thank you. You can have a new face, too. Du jour means family. All right, guys, we're back, aren't we, Kyle? Are we back? Yeah, we're we back. Are, we are back. Yeah. And we're talking about Josie and the Pussycats from 2001. You may remember that year. Good year. Um, sophomore year. That's where it was I was one at. year after Y2K. It was one year after Y2K. It was the rebuilding year, as they call it. <laughs> I fresh, remember that. Freshman yeah. year for yeah. me. More like restocking the shelves of gro- grocery stores yeah. for yeah. people that bought it's, it all it's, out. It's the return of all the water bottles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they realized the mass migration of water bottles back yeah. to America. So let me ask you this, uh, Chris. Or, you know what? I want to go with Kyle. This is Kyle's first time seeing this movie. Ooh. Kyle, what makes... Uh, what, do you, or what do you think Josie and the Pussycats is trying to say about teenagers? Well, I mean... They're, they're they're saying that they're just they're idiots and they're easily sold to basically you can sell them whatever that's why they have this whole fucking facility designed to decide what the next trends are because teenagers just jump from one trend to the other and don't really care just keep spending money do you think that it was do you think that it was how, how do you feel about like the incoherence of uh, incoherence I don't even know, that's not even a word uh it is it is but it's not what you're trying to say yeah it's yeah. not what I'm trying to say uh as far as like the government relation to the music industry, what do you think that that was trying to say? That too, like, I mean, I think that the government was just a backdrop for what was actually happening, but that was more. But see, that's the funny. That's but what that's the funny thing. That's exactly what they're perceived and wanted to be perceived as. What's that? The the government's actually the one running this whole thing, and even uh, my favorite, one of my favorite parts of this movie is Eugene Levy actually explaining to people what's happening in right, the movie. Yeah. Which is so, and God blesses America, which is funny because he's Canadian. I see. I didn't. Ta- I, I didn't take the music industry as being like it was a the, pawn the, for the, the government. I, that's how I took them the whole time. They were just a pawn of the government the yeah. entire time. Right. I never thought it was the other way around, or that that the government was but a I background mean, character. I always thought the government was the one, the whole reason why they have funding to do all this shit. Right. But in terms of the commentary, I think that was the fictional part of it. Do you? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, unless you honestly believe that, like. Et is, well, because, like, is controlled well, no. by is controlled by the government. Well, no, the, it's because and they're telling you it's to love the, new the, Jackman the reason. No, the reason because I thought it was played a big deal is because of exactly what Eugene Levy says is that these kids don't pay taxes. 
they have a, like an income and they have jobs babysitting and stuff like that. This is something that people have been using in marketing for 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 years and years and years. Yeah. Going after preteens and teens, like yeah, uh, that's why movie blockbusters are are, are geared towards them. Because sure. they have indispensable income, basically. And he's saying that it feeds the economy, and what's good for the economy is good for America. So basically, that's why the government was behind this, was yeah. to feed into the economy. Yeah, Correct. but I don't think the government... Re- I mean, yeah, it, it works really well for a film, but it's unnecessary in reality, because the fact of the matter is, companies are always trying to put money in their pockets. They don't need the government to try to help them do it. I get what If it, you walk up yeah, to a guy and say, would you like to be a, a, a billionaire? Sure, I'd love to be a billionaire. Like okay, well, I'll just sell my product as I am, as I am. I don't need the government ushering and helping me out. I mean, they do. They don't get me wrong. They do to some extent, but they did it for the good of the economy. But I think I think it's more <laughs> the, I think it's the other way around. I think consumer it, the, the co- corporations need government help to make more money, not that the government needs more money so they help. No, I didn't. I, didn't I, I I I I don't really. I mean, if you want to, if if you want to, if you want to label, if you want to stamp some kind of conspiracy theory on the inclusion of the government in this movie, I would put it more so as the government is helping has help, helping this program because they could see the value in terms of maybe dumbing down the youth of America going sure. forward. That's like that's very... made more so. I don't see it as like. Well, we need to keep doing this because we need the money coming from the. Well, it's also mind control. That's what it's. That's what I yeah. took it more. <laughs> it's, 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 it's also mind it's control. It's playing on the conspiracy of of being able to brainwash uh, young people who, you know, don't know the ways of the world yet. Essentially, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't put that much on like it was a money thing. So it was so much. It is. So. That's what they say. What they I choose. Say. I choose to disagree. That's what they say. To watch the movie. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if, if you're asking me the reality of the situation, I, what actually happens in the world, I think corporations absolutely try to appeal. That yeah, they have teams that go out and they say, "How can we appeal to these teenagers?" Like, what is Tiger Beat Magazine supposed to be? Uh, a, a outstanding publication. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I get dating tips from Team from Tiger Beat. Still, still do it. That was kind of my question with, like, what is it trying to say about teens and the fact that, you know, I don't know how it is today because I'm not a teen, but I got to imagine this is still going on because it did carry on after this generation, right? right? So this movie, in my opinion, predicted the death of boy bands, right? But uh, it, but it carried on and predicted what the next wave of things were. All-girl trios were going to be really no, hot that year? It, it wasn't an all-girl trio <laughs> that followed this. Think about it. After Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, and all that stuff was a safe but um, but pop-punk band known as the Jonas Brothers. That was a three-trio. Like It literally hit the Jonas Brothers on the head. Yeah, it was rock tr- rock trios. It wasn't uh, it wasn't pop anymore. They were trying to because I think that's what Josie was like. They were you know they kept saying like we don't even do don't you don't even you even want to hear us play like we don't know if we're any good like they're just a, like supposed to be the raw version of du jour essentially. I guess so. But here's the thing: throughout the entire movie, they do make note that Josie and the Pusher Cats don't think they're very good, and that other people don't necessarily think they're very good. That's true. They even poke fun at themselves. They're like, you haven't even listened to our music. Like, we don't really think we're even that. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, at the end, they, they play a whole show, uh, like a crowded show, and the kids actually end up liking their music. Mm-hmm. So that's like the redeeming thing of all of it. But, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say the movie is so well thought out enough that they were saying, in a few years, boy bands are going to die. Other than they must have known it just inherently because boy bands had already died before. 
Like yeah. New Kids on the this Block had already died. Yeah, it's a cycle. Yeah. Well, I think that yeah, that goes with any trend, right? I mean, that's what right. they're doing. They're they're that the movie even focuses on that a lot as pumping out trends, like discovering new trends and pushing them into the teenagers' faces so mm-hmm. that they change and it works in their benefit. So I, I yeah, I don't think I really agree that the film was trying to predict anything. Um, but I think as an entertainment, as a form of entertainment in the entertainment industry, they know how these cycles go. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to predict. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that's how, uh, that, again, that's how good the, the satire of this movie is. Like, it's insane that they even hit that out of the park because that's exactly what followed. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit, too, because this, this film actually comes off the heels of their first film, which is Can't Hardly Wait, Wait right? And what what's interesting what uh, what I've always liked about Can Hardly Wait is that the B stories of that film are so much more interesting than the main story, the romantic storyline between Amanda and I think his name is Duncan or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, McCloud, yeah, <laughs> Duncan McCloud. He, was in it. <laughs> he didn't. He, he wasn't quite an immortal yet, but he was about to find out. Um, is that the main guy's name, Duncan? I can't remember That's if his name. Was Dun- Duncan. No, Duncan. Was that from Duncan Empire Records? No, Duncan was Duncan was from the uh, Dust Stone. Show. That's what it is. Right? Dustin. Yeah. That's it. The B stories in that actually do show hints of what this film actually becomes. Like if you remember the the band Love Burger, is a band that keeps breaking up over and over and over again because of stupid things that have absolutely nothing to do with their music, like whether or not the guy's wearing a cowboy hat. Or wearing a shirt. You yeah. Don't, you don't wear the shirt of the band you're in. <laughs> yeah, right? But it's that's all superficial teen bullshit yeah. that happens. And not to mention uh, uh, Seth Green's character, who, like, that whole thing is about, like, cultural appropriation. Yeah. You know, and, and, and sure. latching onto trends that aren't yours, you mm-hmm. know? And he does the exact same thing. So I think they've been doing... These directors and writer, the, the the writer director team of this have been doing this for a while. Well, they did it with. Uh, they also wrote a very Brady sequel. Yeah, which has a lot of again satire. Of well. They do. They like era. to. I think. I think. I don't know that they're being prophetic, as much as they're being. They're just analyzing. Like I think they do have an overwhelming understanding that teenagers are relatively shallow, and that you can get them to believe anything, mm-hmm. provided you push them in a certain direction. They're just naturally that way. Yeah. Then how come? Let me ask you this: If they're good at knowing that, then how come they couldn't make this movie successful? Well, that's not there. I mean, is it is it anyone's fault? Do I blame Spielberg if he can't make a success, or do I do I? Yeah, do well, it? yeah. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. can, but Look, at I the bl- end of the day, isn't the audience do you, that makes your film? Do you blame? Uh, yeah, but do you? Okay, let me ask you this: Do you blame? Who do you blame for Batman versus Superman? The audience or Zack Snyder? What do you mean, blame? What what, what are we it blaming depends. for? Hold depends. on, no, no, no. What are we, like, what are we blaming a for? A film. It was a wild. A film in the film's direction. How it's accepted? If you're looking, if you're looking at box office, Batman vs Superman was wildly successful. And for the first week, overall, <laughs> overall, it's made its money back and then some. For the first week, it was over. It, it was, was critically successful. panned and hate by its fans because it was too dark and it strayed away from what people were wanting. That's why that movie did bad. I think the reason this movie did bad is. If you subtract, if you subtract all the very intelligent um, and well, well inserted and thought out satire that's in here, it's a pretty weak story. But that's the part of the satire, also. I believe that's what I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's your basic cookie cutter teen love story. Like it's basically what it is. Well, and- you've seen this in other movies. You've seen the same the same band story with. Like, oh my god, you've seen it a thousand times. Yeah, but they also have to keep. Uh, there is a level that they have to keep towards the uh, the source material, which is the comics. Hold on, yeah. let's just let's let, let how popular was Josie Pussycat's cartoon and comic 
wildly well, popular. It was part of wildly popular. It's existed since the 1960s. Yeah. Okay. How popular was it? When was the last time it was like? Really when 2001. In- how popular was it? I would say zero. I'll tell you how popular it is. It's so popular that they've already announced a series called Riverdale, which is about Josie and the Pussycats. Like uh, they're bringing that, it back. I thought that was more about uh, Archie and all that. It is about but Archie. Josie and the Pussycats are in it. Like, it, well, that's because there were characters in the Archie. Right, yeah, right. Universe, but what I'm saying is, like, so. this universe is is more popular. It is popular. Right, 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 it is right, right. Popular. Uh, Yes, our, yeah, the, the yeah. Archie universe, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And granted, these are these are segments off of that. Like, there are sure. Do you think that's why that maybe this film was overlooked in 2001 a little yeah, bit? I, is I because mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel like that's got to have something to do with it because you're you're trying to market this film to. To the a, wrong a, age group. A, a, yeah, an age group who has no problem. I'm going to just assume has no pretty much no fucking clue who Josie the Pussycats are. And you're trying to market this thing to them that's designed for them so they don't even get the reference. So they don't even get excited about the fact that, oh, this is a reference to something cooler that's happened before. To them, they just take it at face value. Yeah, as- I think the last time this cartoon was on the air was... Before this movie comes out, it was like, probably on, no, I think it's on like Boomerang. I like yeah, I think. It, I mean, I yeah, but uh, no, like, at, but at who the has time? Boom, at the but who time. has who had Boomerang at the time? Because who can afford that cable but, but package? It's it's, <laughs> it's a cartoon that's not nearly as as probably as popular as like Scooby Doo or something. No, no, it was definitely. I think it was even second fiddle to uh, uh, what's the one with the goddamn shark? What the one with the? Sh- oh, you don't have you didn't have cable, Chris. What do you think? Did uh, do you think that? The Josie and the Pussycats maybe didn't connect with teens, and maybe that was an older audience that went to go see this movie, and then they didn't get it. Because that's what I think. I think they were just trying to re revamp it. They were trying to bring it back. It's the same thing as why they keep remaking old films now. They're trying to. It worked then. They want to see if they can work it now for this generation. And it was they were trying to make it work for that generation. And I think it did on a on a music level. I remember hearing all these songs like. Mm-hmm on the radio and stuff, but I don't think the movie really stuck with the teens. I think the music did probably a bit more. Well, I I wonder if that's because of what you and I, me, Cody, uh, what we've been talking about is the fact that at the time, yeah, kids are not going to get the satire of it, so they're just like, this is just a dumb teen comedy, just like all the other ones I've seen. And then older generations who were reviewing the film were giving it horrible reviews because they also didn't get it because they couldn't connect with the satire. And that's the other thing, too, is like the terrible... Team, like you gotta figure, like well, this 2001's got to be around like American Pie two or it, three. It, it is American Pie one comes out like ninety nine or something like that. Yeah, and so you gotta have those, which are like your hard R teen comedies, which is making a comeback with that just that series alone from the eighties teen R comedies. So you know, going into this and this being so tame, probably threw a lot of kids off too. Like I'm not, you know what I mean, like. You wanted to see some boobs in 2001. We were a little attitude I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe because it comes off the tail end of 2000. I mean, right right in the middle, right where it comes in. It comes in right off the end, the millennium, right? Yeah. And But there were a lot of films that weren't R-rated, like 10 Things I Hate About You, Can't Hardly Wait, um, what else? Uh, She's All That. That's where Rachel popular. Lee Cook comes from. Like, these are all really popular teen It was around the time that another teen movie came out, I think, too. Great parodying the idea of this this genre that was being inundated into Hollywood. So I can understand where this film gets lost in that mix. You got Tara Reid in it. You got Rachel Lee Cook. Two huge stars at the time. Both coming out of films that we just mentioned as films that came out a few years right before this film. Yeah. So to to everyone's, to what it looked like from the outside, yeah, it probably looked like, oh, here's another fucking stupid teen film and not realizing that it was a big satire about that very thing that they were, that didn't want to see maybe anymore. This is the best! 
pink shoes. You got orange is the new pink. Yeah! I am sick of my Reebok sweats. I need some Puma sweats. I gotta buy a six pack of Zima. Dude, you don't drink. I think I should start. Yes, I think they responded to that very well, actually. I think that song sucks. If Josie and the Pussycats is a cult film, and if it is a cult film, what makes it a cult film? And we kind of got it, talked about that in the first segment a little bit. Yeah, um, it is finding this resurgence. I feel like uh, as as a as a as a cult film, it's kind of like I would never imagine when I heard Josie and the Pussycats. Never in a million years did I imagine that this would fall under a category that we do. I I could see it. I could see it, and and it's mostly because it was so critically panned and. And to Mike's point, yeah, a couple of years ago, I remember seeing the seeing articles coming up about this movie, like, "Hey, like, come revisit this movie," and it kind of got its small following of people who were like, "No, oh, this is actually a pretty great, pretty great fucking movie." And I think it's, I think it's because of all the consumerism stuff and because of all the stuff that people overlooked, and and it was then rediscovered later on. That's why it's a cult film. So you would say it's a cult film. I think so. Yeah, I mean, any film is a cult film if it if it has like a dedicated group of like a dedicated fan base that's keeping it alive when it should technically be dead on paper. Does this have a dedicated fan base or just a couple people out there writing decent reviews because they're rediscovering it? I think that's a good question. I I've I, never heard of this movie since you suggested. I mean, it's since it came out in two thousand and one uh, to I, now. I think it was a small a, a small. So like the the guy that wrote this, Nathan Rabin, he was a guy he wrote for. Um, uh, AV Club, and he he was the one that kind of went back to this film and talked about it. As like, hey, look, look, it's revisit this film. People didn't really get it, but he ha- it was a, it was based off a series of articles that this guy was doing where he was going back and looking at this. But this one, for some reason, specifically kind of struck a chord for a little bit, like in that year where other people were also kind of like saying, like, hey, yeah, I remember that film. Yeah, people didn't get that. That's strange. Like, why didn't Roger Ebert get it? Like why is he ripping apart the consuit like how many product placement things in it and not understanding that it had to do with telling the story? Right. So, I for me for me if there's enough people that took the time and effort to even write an article or even talk about this, mm-hmm. it had to have some sort of cult following where people related to that article to make it yes. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm on. I'm Chris brings up a good point though, and I'm kind of on the, on board with him a little bit. It's not. One that you think I that you hear widely, like I think people are going to listen to this episode for the sheer fact to go, why the fuck are they talking about Josie and the Pussycats? Probably, yeah, I would agree because I don't think that. I mean, if it does have a cult following, it's an incredibly small one, and the question I feel like it's on the tipping point. You it's know what I mean? Tip, like Congo. Like if this doesn't, con- <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't continue, if it doesn't keep Every the interest of people, time. if people aren't still talking having the same conversation now, which I guess is why I kind of picked this in 2016. If you're not still having this conversation now, yeah, this movie will die and people will forget it. Yeah. Like, who, I don't know. See, I'm, who's still in the public eye to even talk about this anymore? Rosario Dawson. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I Tara Reid's still banging out movies. Sharknado's like nobody's business. Sharknado 5 is coming out. That's soon. more still, of a cult film still than, a, than this movie is. <laughs> <laughs> the cook, cook has left the building, but this movie destroyed her career. Basically, oh, did she didn't have a le- think about it. She had no leading role after this movie. Name one leading role after this movie. Yeah, Rachel Lee Cook. I mean, yeah, I mean, it didn't. I wouldn't say it destroyed she, her career. She's still doing TV. She's still doing TV, but she hasn't yeah. had a leading role. And if she she had no leading roles after this, well, film. it didn't hurt Rosario Dawson's career. 
she wasn't the lead. She wasn't. The, she wasn't carrying the film. This was being so. carried by. She, she was. Well, well, she was the second lead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she has a naturalness to her where the other two just don't to me i i i cringed a few times at rachel lee cook's performances Mm -hmm. like especially do you remember when she's like working on the she's working on the car and the guy that she's got a crush on is like over there and you know she's getting all nervous and stuff i I swear to god i thought she was having a seizure like it yeah it did not look it uh, looked painful she was like trying to act nervous and it just came off as like almost like she had like a brain aneurysm or something it was oh, very no, strange no, no. it and was then, not good and tara reed i think maybe people just got burned out of her dumb blonde act honestly well like, now yeah. but at the time no because this was before yeah american pie she doesn't play it yeah yet. and and you gotta you gotta realize like at the time they weren't burnt out by her her this was this like was the peak one of, of her career yeah this is like the peak <laughs> of her career uh because after this was my boss's daughter where she still continues. I don't playing. remember that. Don't know I don't about know that, that movie. I don't even know what that movie is. <laughs> With Ashton Kutcher. Oh, even. yeah. Another yeah. forgettable oh, film. Yeah. <laughs> I was too busy watching Holy Mountain at the time, really getting in touch with my yeah. senses. It's true. When this came out, I was watching Pink Flamingos, not fucking Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, my God. You're so cool, dude. You're the coolest guy I've ever met. Oh, my God. You're so cool. I'm sorry, that, I'm sorry that I like to explore movies that make me uh, expand my, uh, you know. Thinking. And this movie didn't? Hell no. Can I ask a question? Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to go around the table here. Yes. Cody. Yeah. Who's your favorite pussycat? Uh, it's going to be Val. Played by? Rosario Dawson. Okay. See, I know the character's names. Kyle? The film. Val, played by Rosario <laughs> Dawson. Okay. Mike? Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, probably Val as well because... It's interesting when you go back to the to the actual comic. Apparently, Val Val is supposed to be the smarter one of the of the trio. She's supposed to be scientifically involved. Yeah, I like how me and Cody gave it one one word answer. Well, you know, I want to give. I, wanna, <laughs> no, I, I like just got this. Done no, I want to give some background <laughs> to this because we haven't it's actually good. discussed a lot about how this relates to the Archie comic. I mean, they didn't get this film because they were like, "Here's an idea." It's an entire satire on kids, but we're just gonna call it Josie and the Pussycats. I imagine when they pitched this film. Hey, we're doing a Josie and the Pussycats remake. Let's rock this thing. And they're like, sure, we'll do it. Yeah, we did Kill Harley Week. Great teen comedy, right? Yeah, you guys are perfect. I don't think that they knew that they were going to do this to this film. I agree. Well, I just asked who your favorite character was. Yeah. <laughs> and the answer is Val. Okay. Mine is <laughs> also Val. That. I mean, just because she's the most natural actress in the film and she does play she the develops- she plays the middle ground between um, half retarded Tara Reed and seizure having <laughs> Rachel Cook. Yeah. Well, no, and she plays, and you think about it, her character. Yeah, I agree, Chris. Her character has the most character development. Mm-hmm. Her well, character. she gives the most heart, too. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, Rachel Lee Cook has her moment when she comes to her senses and takes the headphones off and stops listening to the brainwashing music. But, you know, overall, Rosario Dawson is like the one, the glue of the group, essentially. I think the, the, the Cook's, uh, Rachel Lee Cook's, her best acting part was actually when she was br- uh, brainwashed and she tells. Um, oh, she turned into a bitch. Yeah, huh? yeah. She that was like her best. That was her best scene in the movie. Honestly. Also, by the way, was. a little known fact. Well, not little known. Probably yeah. somebody knows. Huge known. Valerie ended up marrying Archie in the comics, having a kid and stuff. Oh, good for them. Yeah, there you go. So there you go. I don't know. I don't Man. know much about the comics, honestly. And I didn't look. I, I didn't feel like it was necessary to look into the to the comics for this movie because I felt like the comics only related to it in character names. I, I agree. With that I, 100%, I agree. 100%. There's very few things that actually really translate over too much. There's like nothing. No, it, no. There's a there's, there's a, the band. There, yeah, I agree with Cody. It's it's really a name. 
No, no, there's some, there's some actual plot points that actually exist. Yeah, the, the, in the background. love story. The yeah. love story, but there's also there's Alexandra, who is the the twin brother and sister mm-hmm, that are promoting. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually in the comics has a huge crush, crush on Alan M, and yeah. that becomes a big conflict throughout the entire comic, and they they translate that over. Well, that makes me want to bring up the supporting characters in this film a little bit. They're we fantastic. talked about Eugene Levy already. Alan Cumming, we didn't really talk about, but he was fantastic. Yeah. But my favorite. Parker Posey. Parker Posey's great. Dude, she's amazing. She played like an eight-year-old spoiled child. That's exactly how she played that character. So I want to get into the technical stuff real quick if we can and just go with uh, some of the stuff. So first off, I feel like we have to talk is uh, the music. Uh, if you don't know, this this uh, soundtrack went gold, which I think you have to sell a million copies for gold. Hey, I, you know what? Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. Three small words? That's a good song. That's There's a, a lot of good. catchy-ass song. There's a lot of catchy-ass songs on this on like the it. soundtrack, yeah, um, like there's a lot of them, and they're 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 good, and that, it's weird. Like I was like, well, the soundtrack seems like it was a little more successful than than the movie. I think it uh, was. Just so you know, a gold certification, uh, five hundred thousand units. All right, so uh, it sold over that, I believe. I think it sold a million. It not, probably did. What's platinum? I don't know. I didn't go platinum. It's no, it did. But I'm just curious. It's not that. Way. It's not that good. Okay. <laughs> I thought the music was pretty solid. Obviously, it's not Rachel Lee Cook singing. It's uh, Kay Hanley. What? From, yeah. It's not her. No, I'm just kidding. She actually, she actually is probably the best lip singer in the film. Probably. I No, Chris <laughs> wants to knock her for having seizures earlier on in the film, but her lip syncing is pretty phenomenal. I would say her guitar playing seemed pretty good, too. Maybe yeah. She, maybe she knows how to play the guitar. Yeah. Her, her and uh, <laughs> uh, Rosario Dawson had the most believable music playing. Um, yes. They could have they hit... They could have hit terror reads a lot better than they did. Well, I wonder because you know we keep talking about how this movie filled the box office, but obviously the music side of it um, was successful. Was successful. Yeah. So the and and whoever released this owns the rights to the music. I'm sure. So I'm sure the, the motion so, picture company. Yeah, they it. probably they <laughs> probably what, did yeah. very well with 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 the combination here. Yeah, but I don't think they made up 15 million. So if Rachel Lee Cook wasn't singing the songs, then who was? Uh, the uh, name of the singer was Kay Hanley. She was in a band called Letters to Cleo, mm-hmm. which actually has uh, a history in other teen comedies. Okay. Namely, 10 Things I Hate About You was Julia Stiles' favorite band that she had to have to go to prom. Yeah. Yeah. The, like, she was like her feminist band, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was like the And weird... they play on the roof at the end? Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. And then uh, there was, she was, they also did a song on the craft. I'm not sure exactly which one it was, but um, they actually have been steeped in, they seemed like a band that was doing. Yeah. Hollywood when you're shooting at, when you're shooting a teen a teen comedy yeah, you call like, up letters to Cleo <laughs> and they Cleo <laughs> letters to Cleo was the Smash Mouth before Smash Mouth mm-hmm. probably yeah or the Smash Mouth of teen comedy there you go yeah. <laughs> well isn't the Smash Mouth really the Smash Mouth of teen comedies it is I don't know how many how many teen wait, comedies wait. have they been in Sma- didn't Smash Mouth do Can't <laughs> Hardly Wait didn't they do the uh, song from Can't Hardly Wait I think they did do one of the songs from Can't Hardly Wait I can't remember like which that. one though I don't it's know it's the main one I think so you didn't. You didn't enjoy any of the cinematography. I enjoyed some of the cinematography, like the shot I mentioned earlier with the house. The house is all having the same car, then leading into the trailer My- part. I thought was very creative. There's a shot that they use uh, in this, and I feel like it's 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 a bygone shot. They don't use it a lot anymore. But when you want to show like manic psycho craziness you go way wide like you take a big way, wide angle lens and then you get real close like you know those three teenage girls yeah that at the beginning oh, yeah. absolutely hate josie and the pussycats yep. and then absolutely love them the they fish sh- eye the fish eye shot huge yeah. fish eye shot yeah i don't see that anymore that's a, vi- that's oh, a wait, very that's a 2001 different movie. That's, a different movie, 
That's a very 2001 thing. Like every music video, think about it at the yeah. time, had a fish island. Seriously, every music video. It was I ridiculous. feel like this, this was kind of shot in that style. It no, is. I absolutely. Yeah. No, dude, it it's, it's, it's very it's MTV it's, style for oh, sure. Oh, hell yeah. yes. Yeah. Like from the get go. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Which Black All of Black Hole Sun shot like uh, this? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking reference. I thought that was in like negative or something. I have no idea. <laughs> But it just did, it did remind me of that. Yeah, it was a shot that you don't Everything see Everything on MTV was like, was shot like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Like they the, combined all, all the all the music videos of the night yeah. had that just insane well, they, fish shot. But, but they use it in a very specific way to show like this manic either yeah. a manic hate or a manic fucking love sure. for this band. But there's even there's even the uh when you first meet Josie and the Pussycats in the very beginning of the movie what that do you get? That long tracking shot? You, uh, you get a yeah. freaking montage. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. that one. Okay, okay. You get a montage right off the beginning to introduce them and it's shot just like a goddamn music video because mm-hmm. it has the music playing and they're doing like which is actually excellent because they're at it's so self-aware and it's giving yeah right at the end they just say like and, and yeah. it gives do we think we could have gotten this popular in one week <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it gives their character away too of who they are as a person like what they do like val is going and reading to children she's doing food food donations you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it gives you like the perspective of who each character is i thought that was pretty creative too just to give you it's a weird way to do an intro into characters i feel like yeah, I thought it was it's good. It's a good way of doing it. I don't oh, remember yeah. any of the cinematography in the movie, but I can't say it was bad. Like, it, it again, it was... See, you, it you, was for the most you part, do. It was for the most part cookie cutter with with MTV culture, basically, injected but, into it. See, I feel like I, uh, you did remember one, at least. There's only one that I actually remember, and that was um, the shot where they're pushing in on um, Rachel E. Cook and also zooming out at the same time. That Jaws shot. Oh, like the Vertigo yeah. shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I, well, I, about, okay, yeah. I guess there's two shots then, because you also mentioned earlier Alan Cummings pulling up on the girls with a CD and the, the walking by with the, the, the sign, and he's holding up the CD, and it's shot through the CD. Yeah. Like, that's cinematography, my friend. I'm pretty, like, yeah. I, that, that scene's memorable. That scene is memorable with a dashboard light playing. Like that scene is very memorable. I think the yeah, the composition of it is cool and it makes sense for that. And they're all like doing <laughs> the lighting on them and they're blowing in the wind. Like that's yeah. a cool shot. Yeah, yeah. I'll agree. You know, I see why you don't like it in the story wise. I see why you don't like it story wise, but it was a good shot. Anyone have any favorite quotes? Uh my one of my favorite is from uh Missy Pyle, who played uh Alexandria uh-huh. when she's on in the plane and she she she's his, his brother asks, "Why are you even here?" And she's like, "Cause I was in the comics." And he says, "What?" And oh. she's like, she, "She's like nothing." I thought that was again so like good. another 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 joke that shows that like it's self aware. Yeah, it's completely self aware. Like, yeah, we're not really making a comic movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't give a shit about the source material. We're just using the name. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I like the line when Rachel E. Cook gets mad, and it's um, puppies. They oh, get melody. <laughs> yeah, melody. Melody. They get old. They turn into dog. Are they the puppies? They turn into dogs, and then they get old and die. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. What's the other one? Oh, and anything Dejure said as far as like Dejure means friendship. Dejure yeah. means this. Dejure means that. Like I just thought that was funny. Doesn't mean any of that. Yeah, it doesn't mean <laughs> none of it. All right, guys, we're gonna rate this mammer jammer. Yes. What are we rating it, Mike? I think we're gonna rate this jewel cases. Jewel. Yeah, take it cases. back to the seat. a time when music came in cases. When a simpler, simpler time, time where if you even remotely 
grab the case wrong, it would shatter into a million Absolutely. pieces, and you'd have to go buy a new version. Not only that, but they always broke when you were trying to open them. You had to take oh, one, yeah, you oh my off, God. You get that one side tab off, it's they done. They lock that shit down like Fort Knox. That's why you just take the jewel case from another CD you don't oh, want remember, remember, remember when you yeah you broke the little tab off? Well, let's write it, jewel cases. Let's start with Chris. Josie and the Pussycats. I probably would have never watched this film had you not have picked it, Mike. Look good, um, Cody wouldn't have watched Holy Mountain had you not. Yeah, exactly. That's why this <laughs> show is so great. Um, bec- and you know, honestly, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little candid here, and we can leave this in. But uh, I started watching this movie, and uh, I wasn't really into it, and ended up having to turn it off for a sec- or for a day or whatever. And then I had to come back the next day and start watching it again. But I just started from the beginning, um, and. What honestly made this film a lot more enjoyable was um, I smoked a little weed and uh, and and uh, and suddenly this film became very funny to me and and I started picking up more on the satire and I started um, being more aware of the point that they were trying to make with the film, which I do appreciate. Um, overall, is it a great movie? No, it's not, but I, I gotta give them credit for. Um, making a making a couple really solid points with 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 the overall um, story and uh, and you know the the cast other than the Pussycats I loved the cast but the Pussycats to me were a little weak except for Rosario Dawson I really liked her um, I don't know I would have to stick with probably a two on this film it might go up if I watch it again. I'm not sure um, because you guys have all brought up things that I completely forgot were in the film. Um, so yeah, I think I think I would watch it one more time, maybe. But two right now, it's just not a great film. <laughs> uh, right? What? Well, I guess you can go to me now, uh, Kyle. <laughs> oh shit! Make me the asshole here. I thought you were gonna go a little higher. Yeah, this movie is is interesting because it has a lot to lot to say about its satire. It's really, um, I mean, it hits you over the head with it, but at the same time, I still think it's intelligently constructed. Um, but at the same time, the story and the the, the supporting movie, the, the fact that I'm even here is viewing the movie itself, these characters, all this shit. I think it's really poorly done, and that's why the movie failed. I don't really think it was people didn't quite get it. I just didn't think it. They probably just didn't think it was that enjoyable of a movie to watch, honestly. So, um, Chris gave it a two. I'm gonna give it. I guess I'm gonna give it a one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say I won't watch this movie again. Maybe I should watch it like a little under the influence. Maybe I'll enjoy it more. But I mean, I just didn't think it was that good of a movie. Like the satire is fantastic, and I love the I love what they're trying to say, but it's just not a good movie. I'll go next. I will say that I will give this. I'm just give my rating right off the bat. I'll say three point five. Um, I uh, different from everybody else on this movie. I actually think this movie is really smart and really entertaining and funny at the same time. Alan Cummings and uh, Parker Posey are hilarious and kind of hold down the comedy end of it. Um, Tara Reid. This is probably her best performance and the peak of her career of playing the dumb girl. Um, which is pretty much all she can play uh, in a movie. So this is her. This is the peak can't of her. Can't knock her for that. Yeah, can't knock her for that. This is the peak of her playing that character. Uh, Rachel Lee Cook was a big star at the time. I mean, she's probably the most replaceable character besides uh, Alan M. As far as characters go. Yeah, where'd he go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I mean, otherwise from that, I think it's a. I, I think it's a very smart script. I think it's a a, a very funny movie. Um, 
does it have its weak points? Yes, but the music's catchy and fun. It will be stuck in your head. Um, it just kind of depends on what you like. If you like making fun of pop music and stuff like that, and and I think you'll enjoy this film. If you grew up in this time, I think that's another reason you might enjoy this film. You might also that may be another reason why you don't enjoy this film. Actually, but we'll go to Mike next. Who picked the film? Okay, so I I, I didn't know what to expect picking this film. I just I, you know I had read the article. I I had heard about it. I was like, let's get back into it, right? After watching the film, I had a solid, a solid 2.5 that I was going to rate this film for the exact same reasons that you and Chris are talking, Kyle and Chris are talking about right now. That I thought that it was all satire. Yeah, I get it. Okay, okay, okay. But that's all hype compared to the fact that at the core of this movie, it's a pretty, it's a stupid, stupid teen comedy, right? But now, now I am wondering. Maybe I am also not getting the satire as much as everyone was saying. Maybe all of this stupidity is also a commentary on the type of movie that was coming in at the time. And now looking back at the timeline of these types of films, yeah, I agree with it. I think they were being very, very deliberate in, in even the lines, in even the dumb jokes. I think all of it was meant to mock that era of film uh, of film and music that was coming out at that time. Agree. So with that said, I'm going to give this a 3.5 as well. All right, guys. That's our show for this week. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, make sure that you uh, follow us on social media at cultfilm underscore review on Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow us on Facebook. You can follow Kyle. Ah! You can follow me at cultfilm underscore Kyle on Instagram. You can follow Chris at cultfilm underscore Chris on Instagram. You can follow Mike at, at Mike Salutio on Twitter. And you can follow me at VHS Collect on Instagram. All right, guys, just remember, if you're going to join a cult, make sure they watch good movies. We'll see you next week.